Hey, this is Chase Masterson from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Yesterday Was a Lie, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. I'm tired of turning away from the things that I want to believe in. This is going to get pretty interesting. Divine interest. God, oh God, we're all going to die? Only try to realize the truth. There is no screw. We are at peace, always. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 69. Welcome to the diner tonight. My name is Scott Herzog. I'm one of your hosts. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Miles, that sounds so beautiful when you say that. It's just well, like, listening, it's listening, like listening to Barry White. You know, what, what do you I think, Chris? Yeah, that's fantastic. It's I was just, laughing. I, I had my mic on mute. I was totally laughing at that. That's awesome. It's, it is. It's like... Um, it's like this little sultry act. We're going to take the sci-fi diner to a whole new level, Miles. It's like you need to talk in air supply. It's like you're an adult contemporary DJ or something. That's great. Right. <laughs> yeah, like one of those late night uh, shows or something like that. Uh-huh, yeah. You have that like, you're listening to Soundscapes with. <laughs> um, oh, and the person you hear talking in the background is Chris. Chris, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Again. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he is on tonight because later on in about a half an hour, we're going to be giving uh, Chase Masterson a call and uh, chatting with her about uh, Star Trek. And Miles, she has something new out, doesn't she? That you were – I saw you commented on one of your questions here. Yes. Uh, she had a movie come out um, probably – probably it was released last year. Uh, it was called uh, uh, Yesterday It Was a Lie. She, uh, she produced it, but she was also in it. And uh, I, I could see that you uh, that if, if, if you have Netflix, you could, you could rent it off Netflix or watch it on Netflix. Is it live streaming? Yeah, it is live streaming. Oh, very good, very good. Oh, no kidding! I had no idea that it was even um, on Netflix. I'm totally going to watch that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, che- I checked it the other day, and it's on Netflix. So I thought that was cool. Very good, Miles. You do a phenomenal job doing some research here. I'm going to tell you that Miles saved my butt at shortly of this year. He like researched all our interviews and everything. It was totally cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you guys had a pretty awesome lineup of interviews. That's pretty amazing. Oh yeah, it was uh it was good and uh the hardest one for us Miles was of course Starbucks. Right, we could never find her or uh <laughs> or, or, or stick her away or when, or when we did, when we did find her was she sober? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no. Seriously? No, it oh. wasn't quite that bad. Well, we she was out of, when we found her anytime her schedule was tight. They flew her in late Friday night. And she had to leave fairly early Sunday, like mid-afternoon Sunday. And everything in between was pretty well packed. Not to mention the World Cup was going on, which means that, you know, uh, basically, Shore Leave had to kind of reschedule everything around the World Cup for her because she had to see the World Cup. Oh, um, yeah. And she said uh, – and so we, we, she was the only one that we kind of went in not really having any clue. We really thought we weren't going to get an interview with her, but – 
on a lark, I was up at one of the photo ops talking to one of the uh, shore leave ladies, and she was there, and I said, hey, any chance you could give us uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes for an interview? And her handler said, oh, she's busy, she's busy. And, and then she goes, well, I'll be down at the bar between three and five watching the World Cup if you want to interview me then. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, we, 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 we got down there, and she's surrounded. So I didn't interview her, but the next day I, I was getting a picture signed by her, and um, – and she remembered me. And she said, you know what? I'm going to be at the bar again. And I said, yeah, that didn't work so well the last time. <laughs> uh, and then she goes, well, why don't we do it during halftime? I'll come over to your table and we interview and boom. And that's what happened then. We ended up with about, what, Miles, 10 minutes of an interview with her? Last, I seven, maybe. Yeah, so something like that. 10, 15, you know, 7, 10 minutes, something like that. But it, at least we got the interviewer a little bit. Yeah, seriously. We, yeah. And, and we got a great – we'll have a great bumper from her too. Oh, yeah. Listen to the fracking podcast. That's awesome. (laughs) All right. Anyways, uh, so shore leave, yeah. And by the way, uh, if you've been, if you follow our feed for the, the, you listeners out there, you're following our feed, you will notice, of course, that we put up three videos from, uh, Farpoint. I just threw them in the feed. If you can watch them, great. If not, we don't mean to exclude you. They are also on our YouTube channel, the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, and they will be embedded on our picture page, video and picture page on the site as well, so you can get to them from there. And those are videos we interviewed the uh, Klingons this year who are in the uh, beginning stages of creating a Klingon fan film, uh, which would be cool because we don't get uh, that point of view too much. No, so, this will be the first time. Yeah. So we'll be doing that, and um, we'll also be bringing an interview with uh, the USS Sovereign, their work, a Philadelphia starship that is uh, working with charity. And last but not least, we're going to, we do a kind of an in-depth interview with Ed, who we had on last year talking about his work on building an R2D2 astromech droid. Well, Miles, what's on our menu tonight? My menu, my menu, my my menu looks pretty blank in front of me. No, uh, we do know that we're going to talk about, we have some trivia we're going to give you. Um, and, uh, it's a true, it's a, it's a true or false, right? This time it's a true and false. Yes. Yeah, so uh, come on. you got to try for this trivia. Um, and we have a decent prize for you that relates totally into our interview that we'll be giving you. We have that we're going to be handing out. We also have the 10 most uh, – the 10 least – how do you say that, Miles? Like the 10 worst female characters, I guess, in sci-fi that we'll be discussing. We meant to discuss that in our last official show, and this will be the one that we're actually discussing. We're yeah. discussing it now. Um, Sarah called them the 10 most disappointing female characters. Oh, yes. There you go. That's probably a better way of saying it. And then uh, mm-hmm. last, we're going to bring you This Week in Star Trek, two news, which I assume you ripped from Chris. Yes. I shameless <laughs> – Chris, I, 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 oftentimes I shamelessly rip off from you for – for some Star Trek news. So. That's perfectly okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but we give props for props too. And then of course we have our interview with the lovely Chase Masterson and it'll be all very good. And we have our sci-fi five and five and miles. You and I are going to be giving uh, our top five moments at shore leave this year. So it sounds good. Very true. Very true. So I, you know, show mm-hmm. news, we, c- we kind of uh, shared a little bit of show news there as we go, uh, went along with some of the videos and, uh, some of you probably got some mini feeds in there where we were giving daily updates about what was happening at Shore Leave. For those podcasters out there, I was using a program called Caster, which is a iPhone app that allowed me to kind of embed bumpers in the middle of it and play with that and upload it straight from my iPhone, which is kind of cool. And that's the way we recorded those. But we're going to be back to about a once a week schedule here, and that should be it. So other than that, I don't believe I have a lot of other show news. Miles, anything I'm missing here? <clears throat> Um, no, I can't th- I think of anything. I think we can get to it. 
Yeah. Any new updates from your end, Chris, and your site? Uh, actually, I'm getting ready for the Vegas Con uh, coming up uh, in Ooh. the beginning of August. Yeah, we're actually going to be there. I'm going to try my hardest to live blog every single day. So at the end of that, I might actually be dead. Right, um, right. But uh, no, it should be a lot of fun. I'm going to probably have a subspace comp shirt on the entire time. Uh, you'll be able to pick me out. I'm kind of a giant. I've got giant hair also. So if anybody out there is uh, going to be at the Vegas Con, you'll definitely see me uh, amongst the, the sea of people. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what we've got coming up. Uh, I'm actually thinking about getting some giveaways too. I don't know. I haven't kind of worked that out yet. But um, that's pretty much pretty much it from our end. Right, right. Well, just so you know, Miles gave you props at Shoreleave. Chris, I, I, I wore your T-shirt Saturday and uh, had a lot of people look at it and ask about it. So um, I think we'll get, give you a few more readers for uh, Subspace Communicate then. No, I appreciate that. It's funny, too, because I've actually been notice, noticing a, a increase in followers on Twitter. So I have you to thank for that. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Nothing, nothing like a good old cross-promotion here. You know, yeah, uh, the, the other thing we could do is um, – do, do you have do you do you have an iPhone or something like that a recording device? Yeah, I do. I we, we could actually get, we could get you maybe uh, recording little vignettes from it. And we can throw them up on our, our feed as well. If you're That'd interested. be awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So maybe we can talk about that closer to the time. That's August, right? Yep. Yeah, That's so August. we can we can talk about that a little bit closer to the time. Maybe nice to maybe have like. You know, uh, and uh, you know your Vegas Con update or something like that. Yeah, totally. That'd be great. I'm actually also thinking about, and I'm kind of toying with it tonight. Um, starting like a, uh, um, I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. Something lame, I'm sure. Uh, it's <laughs> Captain Blogger. I, I don't know. I haven't really, I haven't really fleshed that out yet. But uh, I'm recording a little bit of video that I'm going to be posting on my YouTube channel. Okay. I started one of those. Um, so that's kind of another thing I'm thinking about. Okay. So I might be posting that on the site um, soon. Who knows? I mean, it could be very lame, and it might be very short-lived, but we'll see. Oh, hey, you got to go for it, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. Well, Miles, take us into our trivia tonight. Tell us about well, the trivia question. And uh, I guess before that, here's what here's what they're going to win. We had the opportunity at Shore Leave this past week to see Starship Farragut you know, fan films, and they have been releasing some animated episodes in the style of the original animated Trek in the 70s. And so what I had to give away is a DVD of their first two full-length episodes of Starship Farragut in the original style animation of Trek. The beautiful and lovely Chase Masterson makes an appearance on these. It's a great prize. Yeah, it is a good prize. And what question did they need to answer correctly? Well, this is a Space Nine question, and uh, true or false? Star Trek Next Generation's Enterprise First Officer, Commander William Riker, played by uh, Jonathan Franks, uh, once made an appearance on Star Trek D Space Nine. True or false? See, I wouldn't know this one. Chris, I assume you know it. Yeah, yeah. so can I enter to win that poster? <laughs> I, totally, I totally want that. That's awesome. It's not, it's not a poster. It's a DVD. Oh, DVD, sorry. But, but hey, we'll, we'll send you that too. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, but yep, so if you want that, uh, you can email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. You can call in 1-888-508-4343. And you can also haunt us down on Twitter, sci-fi diner on Twitter, son of wharf on Twitter, Herzog on Twitter. You can even haunt Chris down, subspace communicate on Twitter. <laughs> but, so that's our trivia for tonight. And I believe that's about it. Let's go ahead and head into our first promo this evening. We're going to do something a little bit different with our promos. Since we have Chris here, we're going to have him uh, kind of talk about his site just for about a minute or two here. Then we'll move into our 10 
least favorite female characters. So go ahead, Chris. Tell us a little bit about your site. Um, I've actually been doing subspace comms um, since April of 2009. Uh, my goal with it is to uh, kind of do a, a, a Trek culture site and not necessarily just report on news. Um, not that I don't do that, which I, I do. Uh, I try to post something at least once a day. Uh, but, I'm, you know, it's more of a Trek culture site uh, where Trek fans can go there and, and, and talk about you know, Star Trek, talk about the current topic that I'm on. But it's more of instead of just straight reporting, I, I try to do it kind of tongue-in-cheek, uh, a little bit of sarcasm, which I kind of wheeled around a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's mainly for Star Trek fans, um, of course, by Star Trek fans. And, and I honestly, I made a site for me. That's really my goal. A site that kind of entertains me and something that I'd like to see. Uh, and, uh, it's kind of, kind of worked out in my favor because I enjoy doing it and I get a lot of positive feedback. But if anybody wants to visit, it's, uh, subspacecommunicate.com or subspacecoms.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Trekspace. Uh, I'm sure folks out there, uh, know about Trekspace, trekspace.org. It's a great site. I know Miles is on it. So uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, if you want to learn something a, a little bit about Star Trek, um, you know, I do reviews of products. In fact, I just did a review of uh, a brand new keyboard that a company called Keyscaper is putting out. It's a Star uh, Star Trek uh, XI or Star Trek J.J. Abrams universe version of Star Trek keyboard with the Enterprise printed on it with a uh, wireless mouse. I did a review of that. Um, so, you know, I do a lot of different stuff. We actually have another blogger called Crewman Becky. Uh, she posts. She's the only active blogging Starfleet member. I don't know if you guys have read that, but they're they're pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, if people want to check it out, uh, it's out there. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks for again uh, sharing with us the information you do on that site. And I know that Miles enjoys reading it. I probably don't hit it quite as often as he does, but it's totally cool. We we always love love having that stuff and love having the information yeah. that you share. And by the way, thank you for uh, um, posting. Um, Post about our, our show with uh, Dayton Warren, Kevin Dillmore. I love that picture of them in there. Oh yeah, you know, I'd, I think I found that on Google Image Search or something. I thought it was yeah. perfect. Though. Well, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner. Today, instead of giving you news, uh, summer tends to be a little bit news light anyways. What we're going to do is give you the 10 most disappointing female characters in science fiction TV. And this is a list that came from Sarah Jane Brereton, I believe it is. Um, and uh, Kevin Batchelder from Tuning in Science 5 point out this list. And you're going to hear from him a little bit later on about his opinion on some of it. And we'll play that after we play a little after we talk about this list. So uh, why don't we just uh, take this in order, and we won't read everything about what she's saying about these characters, but let's talk about them as far as being on this list of the 10 most disappointing female characters in sci-fi TV, and, uh, and we'll take it from there. So she starts with what? Number 10 is who, Miles? Uh, Anastasia D. Diwala from Battlestar Galactica. Right. And so this was... Uh, this topped her list as being the most disappointing character, or one of the, uh, of being one of the most. Why do you think she's on this list? Chris, why don't you take it? Why do you think she might be on this list? You know, I don't know if I agree with that. I think D was actually a pretty good character. I mean, you know, they, she could have been fleshed out more, and the way her, her character ended on the show was, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I, I like the way, uh, her character ended. Uh, but, uh, 
I don't know. Maybe it's just because she wasn't fleshed out enough. You know what I mean? And the 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 marriage to Leah Dama that was kind of uh, a strange twist. But yeah, she just didn't. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe the writers just didn't flesh her out. And, you know, huge ensemble cast. So obviously they're going to have have to spend a lot of time on other characters. But that would be my take. I, I would agree with you on that one. I mean, and I, I think it was just because there are just so many cast members. She, her her part was more of a supporting role, I would think. I mean, as, there was other strong female characters on the show to admire. So some of them are not probably going to get as, like you said, fleshed out um, as they are. So, But at the same time, I still liked her character. And um, from a more baser point of view, I thought she was one of the hotter uh, actresses on the show myself. But, uh, <laughs> you um, know, and I was actually holding out hope that she'd be a Cylon. That's just me, though. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, you know, uh, there's a uh, there were and you're right. There was a huge ensemble cast of female characters in that show. Uh, many who took the forefront, you know, ahead of her. You know, Boomer, you know, Six, and uh, and uh, you know, Madam President, and so on down through. I mean, there was just a lot. I mean, Starbuck. I mean, you get a lot of there were a lot of characters in there that were notable. Uh, it's just hard to maintain someone that's going to be in the for, forefront for that long. You know, among that many, to, to have her stand out among that many female characters. For I mean, temporarily, she was the uh, XO on the uh, Pegasus when um, right season three right. came out. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, when we, when, was, we, I mean when we had an overweight did. Leah Dollar, right? Right. Now, and I remember the episode where Billy got killed. Right. Mm-hmm. I actually, I, I remember her reaction to that and the kind of small arc they had about his death. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I bet he. I bet he's sad. He did uh, Night Rider. <laughs> yeah, <Really>. seriously. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's move on to character nine, and that's Sharon, Shannon. Excuse me, Shannon Rutherford from Lost. Now, Miles, you have not watched Lost, right? Uh, no, I have not. Hey, Chris, have you? Sadly, no. Oh, no, I, I, have. I, I have, and she. I, I'm not certain that I how I feel about her being on this list. I think the reason she's on this list is because she's kind of feels like she doesn't have purpose on the island. I'm partway through season one, so I don't have the, the full experience of her being on the show. But I do, but it, I think one of the, I mean, again, we're talking about a huge ensemble cast here. You have, what, 46 survivors of this plane crash on an island and uh, you can't focus on all 46. But she is one that they seem to give some focus to, but there doesn't seem to be much reason except that she's eye candy for the show. But that's my, you know, go ahead. My, my, my only take on Lost, and, and again, I haven't, I haven't watched it. Um, there was a guy that was, uh, pretty heavy, uh, on that island, that deserted island. Did he ever get thinner? I don't know. Uh, I tell you what, if he didn't, they should have. Now they were finding, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. They, they were finding food, but, oh, they know, were. but, but even so, uh, even so, you know, it was more naturalistic food. You would have thought, okay, you know, this should have resulted in a healthier, lifestyle for him yeah seriously yeah that that was one of the disconnects i had with that uh, w- one of the many disconnects i had with that show yeah. you know i maybe i should give it a chance i hear good things about the first few seasons yeah i that's what i'm into and uh i started watching with her wife and now she begs to watch it before we go to bed so we watch a couple episodes so Isabel Tyler comes in at number eight from the 4400. Now, I watched the first season of 4400, but I honestly do not remember much about it. I, I did watch it from beginning to end. I, I can, well, 
I can understand maybe some disappointment. I, I almost thought the character was more in- interesting when she was a baby. It made her a little more creepier, um, some of the stuff she did. When when she has this miraculous uh, growth spurt and, and uh, maturity, I mean, she's um, just this uh, – what's the right word for her? I mean, she's just this, this creepy girl, uh, this fatal attraction with uh, one character. And she can see um, the future, right? Um, this one cannot. It's it, it's it's the one little girl that could see the future, uh, right. Maya. Right. She, this one end up. Th- this girl ended up getting kind of weird after she kind of grew up. I thought. Right, right. But she didn't connect with you, so you can see why she's on this list, maybe. Yeah, I didn't connect with her as much. Um, I thought it was more, more interesting when the character was still an infant. Yeah. Well, and we have, um, and and so did you watch uh, forty four hundred, Chris? Um, you know, I watched a few episodes and I kind of tuned out. Right, um, right. I probably should have given it a, a chance. And plus, Jeffrey Combs was in it. Am I right? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jeffrey Combs is awesome, as everybody should know. Um, and and Irish Stephen Bear produced it. Uh, oh, really? No, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe I'll give it a second chance off of Netflix. But yeah, Jeffrey Combs, I mean, he could literally read the phone book and I'd be interested. So, <laughs> Coming in, I believe we're at number six now. Is that right? Number seven? This might be number seven. Jenny from Doctor Who. Question was, you know, why is she there? And I, 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 you know, here's the bad thing about it. I've watched all the new Doctor Who seasons, and I do not remember Jen. So maybe that says something right there. Yeah, maybe she should be on the list then, yeah, right? Yeah, she should be. Yeah, the way they say it here is certainly a notion that Doctor could have children. Oh, she was supposed to be the Doctor's child. Could be an interesting area to explore, but this was a, so badly done, this an episode best forgotten. Um. And so that was, I guess she was supposed to be the doctor's daughter, but it wasn't really maybe fleshed out maybe the way it should have been. And that sounds maybe less of a Jenny issue than a writing issue. Okay, I believe this is coming at number, I'm going to say number seven, and I might be off in the numbers in the list. Dawn Summers from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Talk about a cutie. Yeah, and and, um, and in a few more years, uh, it'll, she'll be legal. Are you, are, you, are you kidding me? She's probably like twenty three in the picture I'm looking at. Are you think? Are you kidding me? She looks like she's like fourteen to me. Dude, you should see the picture. fourteen. You should see the fourteen year olds I'm teaching. They don't look anything like this. Come on, careful, Scott. You but don't be the dirty old man. I'm not the dirty old man. You're the one that's trying to make me out to be the dirty old man here. She looks like a teenager to me. Oh uh, yeah. Well, uh, I was going to make a comment on your age, but I won't do that. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Chris, you watch the show? Sadly, again, no, I haven't. But um, another one that's on my Netflix queue. You know, I take that back. I watched a few episodes the first season, and I hear that that's the worst time I, I should have got into the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I you know, Joss Whedon. I, should, I I really should get into it. Yeah. They're, they're just saying that she came off as kind of clumsy in this show. And I've watched a few episodes, but I was never a religious Buffy watcher. And I have friends that kind of curse me for that. But uh, it's just not a show that I took time. And now when I go back and look at it, I now say, what well, can I get into the show? The effects are kind of cheesy at this point, et cetera. But, you know, I, well, I, think- I totally liked the uh, the movie. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Completely yeah. different topic. You know, in, any movie where Pee Wee Herman's the main vampire, that's A1 in my book. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be one of your top male characters. No, I'm just kidding. 
Okay, uh, let's move into our number six or five, Captain Elizabeth Lockley from Babylon 5. And again, I did not watch Babylon 5 uh, relentlessly, but uh, Miles, you did, right? Uh, I didn't watch it religiously. I'd wa- I catch it every now and then. Okay. So tell us, uh, uh, Chris, I believe you're the only one that watched this with some regularity. Tell me about uh, Captain Elizabeth Lockley. You know, she really is kind of a unmemorable character. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it was a good, she was a good part of the series. Um, to me though, honestly, Tracy Scoggins sticks out more for her one episode on Deep Space Nine than, uh, all the episodes she was in Babylon 5. And maybe that's just cause I'm biased. Obviously I like Star Trek. Uh, and, and like I said, uh, earlier, I don't know if we're gonna keep that in, but I watched Babylon 5 because there was no other sci-fi for, for me to watch. Not that it was a bad series. Um, cause it was, it was enjoyable. Uh, there were a lot of special effects that I didn't care for and you, you have to get over that hurdle. Um, because they did a lot of that original stuff on Amiga computers with video toaster. I don't know if you guys remember that or not hmm. from like the early nineties. Um, but yeah, not, not a really memorable, memorable character. So. Hmm. All right. Well, let's move into our next, uh, next show. And that's, I believe this is number five. I'm going to say it's number five and I might be off. Uh, Maya Herrera from heroes. Now, Miles, I know that you're an avid heroes watcher. What do you think about her being on this list? I I think I'm going to have to agree with Sarah about this. I don't think – I didn't really care for the Maya character as much. I think uh, a lot of her criticisms here are valid. Uh, you know what? I liked her in Heroes. I'm going to differ. I thought that her gift, the ability to kill people just by uh, the reaction, her eyes turning black and everyone around her dies, I thought that was an awesome superpower. You know, one that she the was cursed was with, cr- the one that she was cursed with and had to struggle with and wrestle with. Yeah, but I, I just thought, I don't know, she, she just seemed very weak to me. Okay. That. All right. Did you, Chris, did you watch Heroes? Uh, I've watched the first season. Well, that's all. You, that's all you need to watch. Yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> that's that's why I stopped. So. All right. All right. Kristen, uh, what was it? Uh, how do you pronounce that? Kachanaski from Red Dwarf. Now, I did not watch Red Dwarf, so I can't even comment on this lady. Yeah, I can't either. Nope, me neither. Sorry. All right. So, hey, it's good that she's on that list. We don't know her. Diana Fowley from The X-Files. And now, Miles, you didn't watch The X-Files. Chris, were you an X-Files fan? Yeah, but it's been a very long time. You know, it's Mimi Rogers, though, right? It is Mimi. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, she was more towards the end, right? right? Yeah, season five. You know, that's when it just it started. The, the whole series started getting muddled towards the end. Yeah, and so I guess the question is, you know, they bring her in as a love interest for Mulder at one point, and then she's in sporadically over the next couple of seasons. I liked her as a character. I mean, she was part of the whole X Files mythology for me. But I tell you what, though, I get her confused. I got her confused at one point. I don't know who I was talking to. Maybe Kevin Batchelder. Uh, but he was, I got her confused with, uh, Claudia Black at one point, cause they look, they have a similar look. I mean, she's, yeah, like, I could see that. Yeah. Mimi, Mimi Rogers is a bit more regal, maybe looking than Claudia Black, but I don't know. I thought they even sounded somewhat alike. I think that was maybe what kind of threw me, but. Well, yeah, cause she did use a feigned British accent in Austin Powers, so. Right, right, right. You know. 
You know, she's actually going to be at the Austin Comic Con. Mimi oh, Rogers. Oh, really? Believe Very cool. Yeah. Her and about 50 wrestlers, and that's about it. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> All from the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Martha Jones is on this list from uh, Doctor Who, one of the Doctor's companions. Uh, I disagree with this. I like Martha Jones as a companion. For- now, uh, Chris, you don't, do you watch Doctor Who? Off and on, yeah, and I thought she was good too. Yeah, so. I liked her. I thought she, uh, you know, so of all the doc, of, you know, of all the ones that have been with her, I thought that the um, the older lady they had on, what season three or four, was probably my least favorite of the companions. But maybe that's only because they weren't quite. She wasn't quite as much eye candy as the others. But for me, but, but I liked Martha Jones. I thought she was good, and she had a stint in Torchwood then for a little bit. Oh, that looks like our. That's our number one. Did we run through ten already? Did I miss? Yeah, any? we did. Yeah, we yep. did. All right. This week in Star Trek. All right. And this week in Star Trek news, uh, Star Trek continues to inspire uh, new technological advances. Um, according to an article on uh, SciFiNews.com, uh, Israeli scientists have developed a new tool that uses holographic technology to manipulate up to 300 nanoparticles at a time, such as beads of glass or polymer that are too small and delicate to be handled with traditional laboratory instruments. Optical tweezers, the technology behind Tel Aviv University's uh, holographic optical tweezers, or HOPON, could form the basis for tomorrow's ultra-fast, light-powered communication devices and quantum computers, according to Dr. Uh, Yael uh, Reichman of the University School of Chemistry. Dr. Reichman is currently using these tweezers to build nanostructures that control beams of light, aiding in the development of anything from optical microscopes to uh, uh, light-fueled computer technology. Uh, Dr. Reichman and her team of researchers are currently pioneering the use of optical tweezers to create the next generation of uh, photonic devices made of carefully arranged particles of materials such as uh, silicon oxide and, and titanium oxide. These devices have the ability to insulate light, allowing the less energy to be lost in transmission. Dr. Reichman said, our invention could increase transmission speed and save technology. Important for uh, long-life batteries and computers, for instance. Um, this this uh, might in- may, uh, if May uh, inspire a real life uh, tractor beam uh, that, that that Star Trek had in, in shows and movies. Oh, very cool, very cool. What do you think of this, Chris? Well, it has the words "next generation" and "photonic" in it, so I'm sold. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's per. It, it, I, this is the kind of stuff I like writing about. Um, current technology uh, that is getting close or even surpasses stuff we saw on Star Trek. Um, but yeah, holographic, photonic, next generation, it had all the right keywords in it for me. So, Right, absolutely. You know, I always like seeing technology come into us moving to the future technology and stuff that seems far-fetched at one time become, makes, uh, you know, the medical bay and, and, and some of the tools they use in Star Trek and other sci-fi shows a little bit more real for us. And I think that's yep. cool. Yeah, they, they're working on uh, uh, hyposprays. I've written articles about that, uh, all kinds of other other stuff, laser sutures, and it, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and so, I mean, all this stuff's uh, the pop, it's out there. The world's out there for that. All right, well, Miles, thanks for this week in Star Trek. And thank you, Chris, for uh, prov- help, helping me uh, helping with that uh, by uh, posting on your site. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all 
right. In our last promo for this evening, we're going to play – we aren't going to play. We're actually going to talk about uh, John Fraze. We met John Fraze at Shore Leave this year, and he is from thinkgeek.com. Now, Miles, you said you had a chance to hop on ThinkGeek. Oh, that- uh, yeah. I did take a look at it, yeah. And uh, and, and I know that, uh, Chris, you're a fan of ThinkGeek, right? Oh, yeah. I've bought all kinds of stuff from there. In oh, fact, right. I bought – I bought my wife a lightsaber. So. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. It was one of the new ones that they're making in Japan, the laser ones. Yeah. No, oh, it's no. it's one of the, the ones that um, that uh, the force feedback or whatever it's called. It makes noise. You twirl it around. Oh, um, anyway. Awesome. Yeah. It wasn't a phaser, but, you know, close enough. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, you know, they just have some awesome products. You know, what a perfect place to find presents for someone that's a geek. You know, I'm serious. This is like the perfect site. And they have stuff, they have stuff that's just fun, it's interesting, and it's more, my opinion, it's called Think Geek, but there are people that would not consider themselves geeks and I think would enjoy the stuff on this site. Oh, yeah, they've got, they they have a lot of good stuff here. Yeah. yeah, they've got tons of stuff. And, you know, they've been around for a long time. I remember ordering from them uh, six, seven years ago some some of those little little uh, uh, remote control cars. You know, like the dime size. Right. Before you could before you could get them here in the U.S., they were bringing bringing them in from Japan, uh, and they're always doing that kind of stuff. They have some really cool things. Right, right. They have the uh, they had the wi- those Wi-Fi T-shirts that you could tell when you're near Wi-Fi hotspot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they come up with some really original stuff too. I think that's what makes them so cool. Right. As shortly this year, they came up with the the Captain Pike shirt, right, Mike uh, Miles? Wasn't that what it was? Yes. The Captain yeah. Pike shirt that beeped beeped and lit up for like yes and no questions. The one where he's like immobilized in the chair. Seriously? Yeah, they made a oh, they they, see cre- now? they 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 created one specially for uh, Kevin Dilmore during uh, a charity roast they were doing. Oh What's man, a, I I've got to have that shirt. No, talk talk to talk to Fraze about it. Oh. So he's on Twitter. You can follow him there. I think I think he's like the voice. Of, I don't know if that's right. They might have their own Twitter handle. But yeah, he was no, nice enough to get some uh, stuff. But. Yeah, don't they have their little monkey Timmy? Isn't oh, he on Twitter? Yeah. I think he's yeah. probably the official <laughs> Twitter. But I don't, I I don't I don't I should follow them in Twitter. That's note to self. Add on to Twitter. But. Excuse me. Uh, you're Dr. Bashir, aren't you? That's right. I'm Lita. I've been meaning to come by the infirmary to see you. <coughs> oh, dear. How long have you had that cough? <sighs> A few days now. May I? Cough for me. Is it serious, Doctor? No, but it's a good thing you came to me when you did. We need to start your treatment immediately. Bring me a finale and toddy. Very hot. Make that too. I'm feeling a bit of a cough coming on myself. I'm sorry to hear that, Doctor. Oh, please. Call me... Julian. Hi. I'm Jadzia. Lita. Before I forget... Here's that immunological data you asked for. How nice of you to put it together for me so quickly. I, uh, I 
think I'll go over it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I'm very excited to introduce our guest to you. I'm a huge fan of this lady and her work. We were talking with the lovely Ms. Chase Masterson, who's been named one of the 50 sexiest women by Femme Fatales magazine. And on a TV guide online readers poll, she was voted favorite science fiction actress on television. And AOL named her the 10 sexiest aliens in history. Her work has included guest roles on such popular shows such as ER and Sliders and has lent her voice talents to the animated movie Aerobotech, The Shadow Chronicles. What some of you may not know is that Ms. Masterson also is a talented recording artist and a producer, which we'll talk about later. However, you, the fans, probably best know Ms. Masterson for playing the vivacious and adorable Leah from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Not only that, but she's done her part in supporting our troops overseas by taking part in the USA, USO tours and helping out in our own country as well. Ms. Masterson, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Wow, you guys, thank you. Thank you so much, Miles. That was such a nice intro. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Oh, I'm delighted to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you. Likewise. Congrats on all that you guys are doing. It looks like a, a great thing you've got going. Uh, we, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of fun doing it, a lot of fun doing yeah. it. Yeah, um, cool. I can tell. That's great. Yeah. So uh, we, had, we were kind of mentioning just before we started recording here that, that you had done some work, uh, at least a little bit of work in some fan-run uh, movies, television episodes, that sort of thing. And even though it's not been a huge focus, but why don't we start there just a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what you've done regarding that. Well, I know it's just a little know- bit. It, it was it was particularly fun in terms of you know the the fan spectrum. It was fun working on Star Trek of Gods and Men. It was you know basically a professional slash fan production, which right. means that the fans funded it and they um, and they were the crew and took part in various aspects of the productions, but. It, uh, it was directed by Tim Russ, who, of course, played Tuvok on Voyager, and it was written by um, one of the writers was Jack Trevino, who's one of my favorite Trek writers. He wrote Little Green Men and a few other episodes, and and uh, it was fun. It, Michelle and Walter were the leads in the in the film, and it was um, featuring Tim and Garrett and uh, J.G. Hertzler and a whole bunch of us. And you know, I think the the most the most, the biggest reason that it was so much fun was that it did have the incredible fan spirit, the phenomenal energy that the fans bring to everything that, that you guys do. And then it had a lot of really great, um, you know, it had professional backing. Um, right. Doug Knapp, who was, uh, who ran the camera for Voyager, was the DP. And it was a really fun thing. It was a very difficult production to do. It was low budget and, um, you know all of that, but it still had that fan spirit, which is something that I really respect. And right. yeah, very cool. Would you be uh, Would you be open to doing something like that again if um, if the right thing came your way? Oh, you know, it's difficult to say. Um, I, I I really respect what the fans do in terms of their creativity and all of that. A lot of times, it's difficult to block out time for that because sure. there's other things that pull at us and, and all of that. I mean, if if I if I didn't, um, I, I still want to let you guys know how much I respect the fact that you guys right. do because, you know, the fan spirit with the genre entertainment is more potent than I think in any other field in any other genre. You just don't find that. And so, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I it's, agree with I, that. It, 
when we see it as actors, even if we're, you know, just watching and not participating, we're always heartened and impressed by how much you guys love this genre, and that's part of why we love it. Right. Cool. I, I also uh, saw that you were part of the Starship Farragut animated episodes, giving voiceover mm-hmm. talent for that. Was that your other? Yeah. Was that your other fan one that you were thinking that, about? No. Uh, Starship Farragut was the only other one that I've done, and, and uh, also that was um, largely because Jack Trevino brought me on, and um, he's such a wonderful writer, and the script really resonated with me. And I, in turn, brought Tim Russ onto that one, and also um, Vic Mignogna, who's a wonderful actor who's uh, at the top of the anime voiceover world. And, uh, you know, that was a fun thing to do. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. I, I I've heard it's really lovely though. Yeah, it is, uh, and uh, you can find them on YouTube. But they're excellent. They do a. It's definitely a, they're, they're beautifully done in the style of the old the the nineteen seventies Trek. Uh, yeah, that's what I hear. So they do they do it I, justice. So we were at the uh, Shore Leave Convention. Uh, we were at the Shore Leave Convention this last weekend, and the Starship the, the Starship Farragut group was there, and, and they had a chance to have a room where they, they could they can show uh some of their stuff and so they, they they showed that and that was uh um the fans really liked that oh that's great yeah mm-hmm. they're, well, they're doing some cool stuff lately yeah well go ahead oh, yeah. miles uh take us into some of the questions i know that the, the fan wasn't necessarily the uh direction we we're going to take the early interview but oh, that's right well we, we we know you from your playing lita in d space nine how did you get that role you know, it's a funny story. I had um, made it a point to meet the casting director for Star Trek because I knew that it was a really quality show, that the stories were very strong, and that it would be a great entrance into this genre world. And I knew that um, because the fans were so faithful that that would be, um, for one thing, it would be a, a neat career move. And also, um, I was just I was just impressed by, you know, everything that I knew about the genre, the combination of storyline and, as I've said, the fan response was something I really wanted to be a part of. So um, I paid $30 to meet the casting director at that time, Ron Surma, at a pay-to-meet showcase. And that's where you basically just go in and you audition, cold reading, they hand out sides, and you you know, get to do your work for them. And sometimes you hear from them, but most often you don't. Well, um, I got called in for one other role, and um, I didn't get that, but as I heard, off of that other audition, they wrote the role of Lita for me. Um, Ira Bear told me that when we were in the, um, I guess, the fifth season. He he uh, he let me know that that's basically what happened. Um, so it was a real honor. I mean, to be on a show like Star Trek at all, you know, to be part of that legacy is is huge, and it's kind of a neat way to get in. Right. And uh, it gave you pretty steady employment for about five seasons, right? I was on the last five seasons, yeah. 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 Very cool. And that, and that cool. in Miles, how, how long did that, and I guess, Chase, you can answer this too, how long did the, how long was Deep Space Nine running? Uh, seven seasons. Seven seasons. So the last yeah. five of that. Very cool. And uh, it could have run longer, but Ira Bear made a, a wise decision to pull a show. Um, the network definitely would have had it on longer. Um, when we went off or out of production, we were the number one syndicated show in the world. Uh, I'm sorry, in the United States of males between the demographics uh, ages of 17 and 34. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, also not to not to butt in here, but uh, DS9 leaving on 
the seventh season was much like next gen. You guys left on the perfect high note. Um, no, it was a perfect high note. Um, perfect story arc. Uh, you know, great shows, great casting, great writing. It didn't actually have a time to, you know, go into any kind of lull. So it was actually really good timing. Uh, for for the the send off for this time. Yeah, I I think it's a very courageous choice to quit while you're ahead. And you know, in this industry, nobody ever knows what is going to really happen next. And if your next show is going to be as popular, um, you know, there's just no guarantees. So when you make a decision like that, um, it comes at great risk. And yet, Ira was. I guess, you know, he was just really wanting to make sure that this show did not fade to black, but that they left the audience still wanting more, where the storylines were still extremely pertinent. And um, we think that, you know, as painful as it was to see the show end, we were all very sad. Um, We all had different projects to go on to, but it was still sad. Um, We feel like Ira made the right decision, and Rick, of course, and, you know, it's a beautiful seven-season package. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it was really a gutsy move on his part. I, I'm sure that with a, the network wanting you guys to come back, um, it could have been very lucrative. But yeah, it takes a lot of guts to do something like that. I think so, definitely. And and Michael Pillar, I have to also include on this conversation. I mean, he was just such an amazing writer, such an amazing man. God rest his soul. And you know, that team was so special. Teams like that don't happen very often in in the entire history of television, I think. When you think about the writers that came out of the Deep Space Nine writing cast, um, I I, I talk about this a lot, but I have to say it, Ron Warren, Renee Echevarria, and um, obviously Ira and Hans Beimler and um, Robert Hewitt Wolf and uh, Bradley Thompson and David Weddle. um, Just, you know, incredible people and incredible writers, and they've gone on to write you know, arguably some of the best shows on television in history. So it's, you know, pretty neat legacy. Hmm. What I liked about Deep Space Nine was also that it was a strong ensemble effort. Um, I mean, I love all all things Star Trek, but most of it, a lot of it is, you know, there is the, the big three or, you know, it's centered on one person. But on Deep Space Nine, it was definitely a strong ensemble effort. And even those, you know, the supporting characters played a huge role and even stood out. Um, in, in contributing to the uh, the show's success, I thought. I, I I think so too. I really agree. You know, Deep Space Nine was one of the first, or if not the first, um, real episodic hour show of its kind. And you know, um, a lot of shows that you know had an ongoing storyline really at all didn't have anything as intricate as Deep Space Nine, where the writers trusted the audience to come back week to week. And I think the fans appreciated that. They they were able to really chew on the storyline and think about it over the course of the week and turn in next week. But that places a lot of faith in your audience. And, you know, for that reason and, and what you just addressed, this show was extremely unique. Um, in that, there are recurring characters in the world and in our lives and it's so nice to see the world fleshed out in the way that they had it in deep space nine instead of just following five or seven series regulars around you know right right absolutely uh yeah and, and you know and i think that uh i think that that's been that was kind of a departure for star trek at that point i mean next gen the original series at that point were all very you know 
you could watch an episode and come back five weeks later and watch another episode and you won't really have missed much in the storyline. And you really couldn't do that with Steve Space Nine. Right. Right. It was definitely a risky choice on their part, but right. it worked. And I think it's one of the reasons that many, many fans say that Deep Space Nine is their favorite Star Trek. And and I'm just repeating what I've heard now. Right. A lot of you know the, the different shows you know that all have their people that that say that about them. But we've heard that a lot, and I think it's because of the depth. And if you if you can't have depth in science fiction, where can you have it? I, I think, know. That's partly why you guys are so enthusiastic because it speaks to your hearts. And, right. um, yeah, it's, it's pretty neat when that can happen in entertainment. Yeah. We were sitting down with, um, this weekend we got a chance to sit down with Edward James Olmos, Olmos, uh, from, mm-hmm. uh, Battlestar. And he, he made that same comment that science fiction at its, at its best is, is really, you know, really addresses deep issues of humanity. And I think that's one of the things that Deep Space Nine did. Yeah, definitely. So definitely, it's a real honor to be a part of that because yeah. I think that the privilege of speaking to an audience's heart is by far the best thing about being in this business, other than possibly the work that you do off camera, off the lot, you know, which is reaching out to the world around you in, in real, concrete, tangible ways. Right. When you get to be, you know, part of a show that makes you contemplate you know, war and peace, like Deep Space Nine did, and family and IDIC and all of those great, great issues, subjects. It, it, it's, it's work that matters, and as an actor, you don't always have that privilege. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you just get put on a show, and frankly, you know, you're, you're happy to work at all because this business is so competitive. Right. So that was really the best of all possible worlds. Mm-hmm. I know yeah, what, myself... What made, uh, I'll go, go ahead, oh, Chris. Sorry. I was just, just going to say what made uh, Deep Space Nine so special for me, um, you know, it had some of the most uh, emotionally exhilarating and emotionally draining episodes in the history of Star Trek, just to be able to play that gambit and then have episodes that didn't necessarily take themselves too seriously, like Little Green Men, uh, some of right. the Vic Fontaine episodes. Um, yeah, it made Deep Space Nine. Uh, really special for me and uh, really enjoyable to watch. Something that I also like bringing on uh, your character, Lita, uh, it also, uh, you know, we got to see uh, more Bajorans uh, in, in a different light than than Kira, but also it helped grow the Ferengi characters with Rom and, and Lita and Rom's uh, marriage and relationship and uh, the relationship with Nog. And, it you know, it just... Deep Space Nine for me is my favorite. It hasn't always been my favorite. Uh, I grew up watching the original series in syndication uh, and then Next Gen first run. Uh, but Deep Space Nine, after watching you know several episodes, it quickly became my favorite. So that's so nice to hear. It, it, it did touch on so many different aspects of humanity, and I think that you know again those writers they are great people, so they can write from their hearts. They can write both incredibly poignant drama and really fun comedy. Um, I, I, I loved playing Lita in a lot of ways. And, and yet I, I will say, I've, I've lately gone on record as saying, I, I do wish that there had been more of a, a fleshed-out experience to, to who Lita was. I know that they brought her on to be comic relief and that she was fun and funny and silly and, you know, it was all very kind of broad and plastic with the Ferengi. And that, that kind of comedy would never 
fly these days in, in terms of science fiction because the world of the genre world is so much grittier now that we've had Battlestar that, you know, the zeitgeist of our culture is, it's just, I think, a lot grittier than it was 15 years ago. Um, right. But, I, you know, so, so I, I do wish that there had been more of a, um, just more of an out, uh, outer strength, more of an external um, edge to Lita. Um, but, but I do agree that it was, you know, a lot of really neat, very Star Trek storylines that Lita got to, to play with, you know, um, marrying the, you know, scary guy, even though he was the kid runt underdog brother who everyone made fun of. And, um, you know, Lita drops the beautiful British doctor in order to be with Rom. That's a very Star Trek choice because it really is about who someone is on the inside and the potential that they have, which is able to grow under nurturing and love. And I think that's a very Star Trek theme. I was very happy to be a part of things that are that meaningful to, to the fans. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that, uh, that's just something that Star Trek does real well, kind of flips those notions and the, the you know, our prejudices, the prejudices that we have and kind of explores them. And I think that's a yeah. great example of that. It's so true. And it's such a neat way, isn't it? Yeah. It just speaks of, of, you know, I think we all have that thing inside of us that yearns to be seen for who we really are and not right. who we're getting to be in the moment. <laughs> not who we were in high school, not who the world thinks we are when they see all of our mistakes day to day. But, you know, to, to, to have the hero brought out in us. And um, it's, it's a very Star Trek theme. We all want someone to have that kind of faith in us. And um, I, I tend to come from a very spiritual um, base in my life, or at least I hope I do. And I, I think that's the kind of potential that God sees in us, you know, the beauty of us. Hmm. Not the, you did this wrong and that wrong, but look at you. You are so lovely. Like like the song says, God, <laughs> like like James Darren sang in the final episode of Deep Space Nine, just the way you look tonight, you are lovely. And it's such an important message to be able to tell people. Hmm. I love the way that Star Trek does that. Right, right. The value of The value of the human being. It's interesting that Deep Space Nine was not afraid to deal with spirituality. I think that was one of the first times in Star Trek that it uh, – well, I'm not saying that the other series didn't deal with it, but it was like this is part of the people's culture. It's what makes them who they are um, and um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they explored that on Deep Space Nine, uh, the, the Bajoran's faith and uh, um, how that – how, how for, for many of them, that's what got them through the tough times in their life when they were under the occupation. Yeah. That's who gets me through. <laughs> I know that, you know, definitely. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I much prefer spirituality over religion per se, but yes, it's either one is rarely approached with any degree of success on television. I think one of the only, one of the best ways to do that is through science fiction because it's allegorical. You don't want to hit people over the head with um, with anything, really, with a certain belief system or set of rules. That's not how I believe it's meant to be. When you're able to have those, the beauty of spirituality 
and those messages creep up on you, and then you go, oh, okay, that's how I can apply it to me. Right. That's right. pretty cool. What are you working on? You ever feel like you hit a brick wall and you're never going to get through when you ought to know damn well, let it go? So I come in here and tip a few, wake up with a migraine tomorrow afternoon and try again. I meant what kind of drink you're working on. But hey, whatever you feel like sharing. This notebook you're looking for must be pretty damn important. It is. This notebook hasn't been seen since the Second World War. Nobody knows where it is. Somebody knows. I was wondering if I could speak with this professor. I think you should leave. And tell your friends they're not welcome here anymore either. Somebody else has been here? What you got there? I keep coming across a term in something I'm investigating. Minestra Eternitatis. Window of Eternity? You know, some people believe there are other realities. And every choice we make spawns another. consequences, Boyle. You still think there's some formula that could explain all this? No. I'm not crazy. Then why do you keep coming back here? Time is a myth. You don't live life in order. You just think you're dealing. You're dealing with the tip of something that really isn't comprehensible. You mean experiencing dream time? I mean experiencing regret. Not only do you act, uh, but you also sing, and you uh, took up being a producer. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? You have a couple albums out. Thank you. Yes, um, I'm. I'm really excited about. Uh, what's been happening in music lately, um, particularly in terms of a film that I recently did called Yesterday Was a Lie. Um, it's it's a beautiful film, and I can touch on my own music later, but I want to say uh, I'm, I'm so proud of Yesterday Was a Lie. It's a film noir, sci-fi noir, shot in classic black and white, which um, has won a ton of awards on the festival circuit. We won um, over a dozen Best Feature and Audience Awards. We were released theatrically in December um, and then released in wide release on E1, which is a great distributor, uh, in April. So we are everywhere. The film is, you know, on uh, Netflix, Blockbuster, Amazon, um, you know, everywhere that you can get a film. And we've received rave reviews. Um, I'm very fond of the film because it's so visionary. It was created by, uh, written and directed by James Kerwin, who is an award-winning writer-director, definitely someone to watch. And um, the film deals with quantum mechanics as a metaphor for human relationships. So um, all of those things that are touched on in quantum mechanics, um, Schrodinger's cat and reverse causality and um, the possible multi-worlds theory and all of these things that you didn't think this Dabo girl was going to be talking to you about tonight. <laughs> A lot of very heady concepts are um, very beautiful, beautifully paralleled into um, into a character drama and uh, basically a, a story about relationships and um, following one woman as she struggles to reconcile her past with her present. Um, 
I play a woman that the lead character encounters. I'm the second lead in the film. And um, I help her on her journey to discover um, the truth about some, some, some of her past. And um, I love the role I played. It's the role of a jazz singer. And I get to sing four songs in the film. I love singing jazz. I have since I was 13 years old. Um, Golden Era jazz has always been my favorite. And uh, so with this being noir, um, I got to do that in this film. Um, the music is gorgeous. If I, I'm not even saying just my vocals. I don't mean that. But the, the soundtrack is spectacular. It was um, uh, composed by Christopher Carter, who this week was nominated for, I think, his sixth Emmy nomination. Um, yeah, Christopher Carter, um, definitely somebody to look up. Um, we're so proud to have ha- had him on this. Um, the cinematography is incredibly beautiful. It's truly noir in all of its finest. And um, the work is lovely. Uh, Kipley Brown plays the lead. She was in one episode of um, Enterprise. She played Ensign uh, Crewman Taylor, who was in a, a trip episode, um, uh, Enterprise the Forgotten. And uh, the male lead is John Newton, who long ago played Superboy. You guys might be familiar. And since then, he's been on Melrose Place and Desperate Housewives and um, a whole bunch of other stuff. Definitely a familiar face and a wonderful actor. And then finally, uh, last but not least, it is the first role out of makeup for Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca in Star Wars, of course. Oh, wow. I didn't know he was Yeah. Yeah, Peter's a friend of mine. He's been a friend since literally my first convention over here is where I met uh, Peter and those guys. And he was just an absolute gem, a saint. Um, He made on this low-budget film about what he makes in signing autographs for maybe an hour. Um, He made on our whole film. But he agreed to do it and was such an amazing good sport about it. He has a cameo role, um, and it's a silent role, but his amazing face and uh, presence adds a whole lot to this. And I think that Star Wars fans will also appreciate that. Very cool. Uh, and I know that it's available for streaming on Netflix. So that's something I'm definitely. Oh, uh, oh, oh wait, I have to cut in and say that. Um, I will ask you all each and every one of you listening right now, just a personal favor. Please don't watch it streaming on okay. Netflix. Okay. We're actually trying, we're trying to get that pulled. Um, the reason being that the, there's, Weird things, artifacts, pixelation, the, the noir, the cinematography does not look good on that streaming. And we've actually had some comments about that online. So if you see any comments about the cinematography, it was likely by someone who uh, had seen it under that. I, I would say really, truly, your your best bet, um, well, of course, it, it's always nice to own a film. And there's some great DVD extras on Yesterday Was a Lie. Um, a lot of- Can you still rent the DVD? Yeah, you definitely can rent it. I was just going to say you can rent it from um, well, you can rent it from Netflix and rent it from Blockbuster and and definitely other places. So I would say um, one of those two if you wanted to pick it up from uh, through Amazon or somewhere else or or rent it. Much better than streaming on Netflix. Well, very cool. We'll, we'll make sure that uh, our listeners know that so they can uh, maybe get a better experience in with it. Obviously. Thank you. So, Thank so, you. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to mention that. It's just I know that it's available. Oh, no. That way. 
And I'm sorry to be so adamant about it. It's just that's kind of one of our big deals. You know, as a producer, you come to realize that there's a whole lot of things that you need to keep track of with your baby. And so so wearing my producer's hat, I'll, I'll uh, say check out the trailers. There's two great trailers up at yesterdaywasalie.com. And there's um, a bunch of reviews and production stills and all that stuff that are definitely worth a look. Well, I am looking forward to seeing it. Uh, did any of you guys, uh, Miles, did you, did you uh, Miles or Chris, Chris, did you see it? No, I haven't actually. I didn't know that it was available for rent. Um, I've been following uh, the site for a while because I saw you had mentioned it on uh, Twitter, Chase. Um, and I've definitely wanted to pick it up uh, and check it out, but I honestly didn't know it was available. So it's going to be added to uh, to my wish list on Amazon. Um, but, uh, yeah, the trailers are fantastic and the movie looks great. So. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, I, I've seen the trailers, and I, I agree. They, they, they do look great. Um, I, I will put that on my queue to rent that off Netflix. Uh, um, is that copy still a good copy you'd recommend? Yeah, yeah. Renting it on Netflix is just great, absolutely. And, um, you know, definitely watch the DVD extras if you if you can do that because it's, um, I don't know, the, the, the science of it is actually, it's not, incredibly easy. It's not a no-brainer. It's a challenging film. It's a film that requires something of its audience. It, it asks more questions than it has answers. But in that, the comment that we've received most is, oh my gosh, I've got to watch it again. And it's it's not so that they can understand, but now it, they're, it, it seems to call, come full circle when you've seen the whole thing and then you realize, oh gosh, this entire time I've been watching a film that's fraught with symbolism and everything means something. And it's it's pretty rich, I have to say. So, you know, anyway, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. Yeah, well, definitely. We will, uh, well, I'm sure that when we uh, watch it, we'll, be, we'll have to do a review show. Maybe we should plan that, Chris. Chris and Miles, review show on, on this film. And maybe we should bring yeah. you back on for that, Chase. Well, anyways, oh, we, we love that. it. Thank you. Uh, talk a little bit about your singing outside of Yesterday Was Alive. Thank you. Um, it's going well. I uh, I headlined at Universal uh, City Walk last summer, and that was really fun. Um, I've been um, currently working on uh, my new CD, which is going to be my first real commercial release. Um, uh, it's going to be entitled Thrill of the Chase. Uh, which is the title of my first CD, which I, I'm just basically re- redoing a couple things and re-releasing it. Um, I'm, I'm excited about the music. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, such a great form of expression. And uh, I, I sang a couple songs in Robotech, too. So it's uh, a couple of the last projects that I've done I'm, I'm singing in. Oh, and, very cool. uh, Yeah, thank you. We're excited. We're also probably going to have a soundtrack deal on Yesterday Was a Lie, not to get back to that, but... So it's you know music is potentially moving forward in a pretty neat way. Yeah, and uh, you know, um, and so you, you've had some albums out, but there were more, I guess, independent releases then. Yeah, they're more um, they're more fan oriented, frankly. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that uh, we've raised lots of money through the uh, sale of of these CDs, and um, we usually uh, donate to charity. Um, we always donate to charity, what am I saying? Um, so that's kind of been, you know, that MO. But the next one will be uh, full-on out there, you know, in stores, iTunes, et cetera. Hmm. Yeah. Well, very cool. And, uh, and and they can find that on your site, right? They can find some of that information yeah. on those past albums. And the new album, I assume, will be available from that as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Go to chasemasterson.com and hit music, and I think that transfers you over to chaseclub.com, where my fabulous fan club president Stompy will um, be able to assist. Well, there you go. There you go. And now the new album that's coming out, is that, uh, again, you mentioned that you're, is that, again, like jazz-oriented? Yeah, it's going to have a little bit of an edge, though, a little bit more, you know, just more current fun stuff as we're planning it. Um, I'll keep you guys posted, definitely. One of the CDs that that I'm drawing some tracks from um, was produced by Dave Pell, who is... An amazing friend of mine. He's 85 years old. He was the saxophone player for the Rat Pack, and wow. he, yeah, and um, he also produced Sinatra and Count Basie. And hey, those are some names to have behind you. I said again. I said, uh, yeah, I, said, yeah. I said those are some names to have standing behind you. It just, it, I mean, just uh, doesn't get any better than that. And no. Dave, Dave brought on a man who has unfortunately since passed away, an amazing man and musician, um, pianist Bob Florence, and he was um, he he was the piano for Dean Martin when Dean Martin did his show and um, his show on television, and he also arranged uh, Billy May, the famed composer, said, "When I want a composer who also arranges, I call Bob Florence." And so, um, you know, just getting to work with guys like that, what a huge privilege, you know? Right, right. Chris, you said you had some questions? Yeah, actually, I was going to talk about um, a uh, short-lived, I guess it wasn't necessarily short-lived because I think you did it for about a year, Um, something that I really used to enjoy, uh, the fandom.com, the interview series you did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask how did uh, how did that come about, and what was the uh, uh, or what were the circumstances behind its its demise? Because I know you had tons of great interviews with lots of Trek stars. Um, you had an interview with Joss Whedon, uh, Ron D. Moore, Brandon Braga, uh, Robert Beltran. Just a lot of really interesting interviews that that not only were about Star Trek, but really went into depth. Um, with the the actors and and directors and producers, um, but I was just curious, how did you uh, how did you get involved with that? Thanks for asking. You know, I was just thinking about that show a few minutes ago, thinking I used to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they they basically this company Creative Light, which I'd worked for a few times before. I think that was like my fifth project with them or something. Um, they produced a film that I did um, with Maggie Grace and. We worked on a bunch of stuff through the years together, and they called me and said, Chase, call all your friends and have them on a podcast. So that's basically what I did. I was able to, you know, just leverage friendships and say, you know, come on, guys, be on my show. And, you know, I guess the science fiction genre world is a pretty small world, and once you start meeting a few people, you meet all the rest. And so it was nice to have all those guys come on and talk in detail and I I was very clear on wanting it to be an hour show where we could talk talk not just so what's your next thing and how'd you get started I wanted to talk more in depth I think that genre fans deserve that um so yeah we had a good time with that yeah it was very intimate too which which I found very interesting thank you thank you well it was probably one of the first times anyway that people could say, oh, she's not just a double girl. <laughs> you know, she can think on her feet. And it was it was fun in that respect and very nice to hear some big truths coming out of amazing people's minds. It was unfortunately um, 
ended because uh, Creative Light went out of business. They they folded. Um, but, you know, that company, I, I have to say, they did some amazing things while they were running. They did Mind Melt with Shatner and um, Nimoy. And oh, right, did, yeah. Uh, they did Comic Book the Movie. Um, I met Stan Lee through them, and Stan's been a pal ever since. And uh, they did that amazing uh, DVD with Stan and um, Kevin Smith. You know, it's just a tough business, so... You know, yeah, Mind Meld is actually one of my uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, documentaries about Shatner Nimoy. It's really really interesting. I don't know if folks have have seen it out there. Also, I noticed that uh, you're actually uh, is it on ChaseMasterson.com or ChaseClub.com where you're hosting uh, the episodes of the fandom, so people can go back and re-listen uh, to a lot of the interviews. Oh, really? Gosh, I didn't know. But that, that's how thorough Stompy Hollow is about keeping my Chase Club site up. He's got stuff on there that I don't even know about. So maybe, <laughs> maybe. There's stuff you don't even know you did. Right. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, if anyone's interested, you can find it by Googling Chase Masterson, the fandom. Uh, there's a page there with the list of the, the actors that were interviewed and links to the, the MP3s of the show. But, yeah, I have to say that – I, I listened to that religiously. And you guys also streamed that live, right? Yeah, we did. We went live, and then we were also pretty heavily listened to in archives. So I guess we still are. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, really good stuff, though. If people out there haven't haven't listened to it, it's definitely worth a listen. So. Well, thank you. That's really nice to hear. I appreciate that. Is there anything else that's coming up for you that, that you can tell us about going on either through music, film, or, or TV, or whatnot? You know, so ironically, I was mentioning this to Scott uh, earlier today. Um, we have, we are like really on the verge of making a big announcement, and I wish with all my heart I could talk about it right now, but I can't. Um, so that's kind of a big hint to say if you'd like to have uh, me or the yesterday's live bunch back at some point, I can say some other things about some stuff that I'm doing. I can't say it tonight. I literally, maybe 24 hours later, I could have, but. Right now, we're just kind of right on the crux of, of that. So there's there's actually another announcement that's going to be happening regarding Yesterday Was a Lie also. So maybe that would be a good time if you wanted to have uh, James Kerwin, the director, is a, a, just an incredibly brilliant mind that could be could be a fun guy to talk to if he wanted. Oh, well, yeah. You, you mentioned him, and maybe that's someone that we we can have in the show a little bit later on then. I'll, uh, I'll, 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 be in t- I'll keep in touch with you and uh, maybe just get his contact information from you then. That sounds great, and then I can tell you my big secret. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, if if you want to, um, if, if when you uh, you said in the next twenty four hours or so, maybe uh, yeah. if if it happens if it happens before uh, Thursday, let's say, um, yeah. and uh, you want to shoot me an email, I'll just do. I'll, I can record a little segment just telling people about it, or maybe I can find time to just have you call in for about five minutes, and we can do a little addendum to the show. Cool. That sounds great. It's. I. I, I just want to insert this. It's not like a big A-list movie role. I'm not about to, you know, play opposite Tom Cruise or anyone. Right. Um, <laughs> um, it's. A, it's actually an internet thing, but it's something that I'm excited about and oh, proud cool. of. So well, you know, it, definitely. That is, that is the genre that's kind of being pushed right now. Webisodes and other TV shows are coming out just for the web. So. Thanks. I mean, you know. It's it's going to be fun. So yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll I'll let you know as soon as we can break the news. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's a big thing that's coming. And again, um, 
Uh, do you guys have any questions for Chase before we, we've taken up a bunch of our time tonight? We appreciate the time you've taken to sit down and chat with us about, about your work in Star Trek and, and the yesterday was a lie and the many other things that you do. Thank uh, you. I have one other thing if you'd like. I would love to um, hear. Go ahead. Thank you. Well, when you go on to chaseclub.com and there's just a, a zillion pictures, um, a bunch of them are signed and we do that to raise money for a charity that I really love called Homeboy Industries. And I'll just say real quick, um, I've been mentoring ex-gang members there for about two and a half years and working hands-on with them on a weekly basis. And I've been privileged and just so blessed. I really thank God that I've been able to see into these people's lives um, in a way that most people can't. Um, It's been an amazing lesson for me in withholding judgment and seeing the beauty in individuals that... uh, you know that the rest of the world sometimes says, "Uh oh, you know, you guys are bad guys," and it's um, the level of transformation and redemption is just absolutely amazing. There, I mean, they're certainly culpable and responsible for their own choices, but they're people who have chosen to make a new path for themselves and are completely making a, a very big decision to leave their past behind. Um, which usually most of them were born into. They were born into horrific circumstances and, and were able to help. And it's just about, it's one of the neatest things in the world to see that happening um, on, a, on a regular basis. So I donate a portion of the proceeds for pictures and CDs to them. And we, we end up doing a really good job and, uh, you know, all of that. So anybody who wants more information on, on Homeboy, you can shoot me an email through the website or you can look up homeboy-industries.org. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for helping me. get And, uh, yeah, and, and be- best yet, they can support it by actually getting on and, uh, and, uh, supporting you by buying some of those photos. Thank you. Or, so. you know, just support the charity. I don't mean for you to have to go through me. Right. It's, uh, it's definitely the, the neatest thing about being in this genre, um, is being able to point people toward great causes. And, oh, that means uh, just one more, if you would. Um, one other cool thing that's happening in the world of fandom, I can't believe I waited this long to, to talk about it, is uh, trekfederation.com is a neat group of science fiction Trek fans. It's the largest group of Trek fans worldwide, and they've asked me to be their spokesgirl. So I am the face of the Federation, and I Ooh. took on that. <laughs> Thank you. Um I, I took that on because I see their hearts and they are really wanting to band together and do some good things in the world as, as Gene, um, you know, as, as, as Gene started the, the trend of, you know, boldly going into, you know, new, new places and we were just trying to do that in this, on this planet and taking on causes that may ordinarily not be, uh, you know, really cared about. So that's, my personal reason for wanting to get involved with them and uh, check out there's an interview up on trekfederation.com and it's going to uh, we're talking a little bit about how we're reaching out to the world around us so I just think it's an awesome that it's awesome that you know that's that you're you obviously are in love not only with the, the things that the, the charities and the things that you're involved with from that but you're obviously in love as well with the genre that you've kind of you know, kind of been a part of, you know, over the years, especially with Star Trek, and you continue to invest in it. And I think that that's kind of cool, too. Thank you so much. So. Well, God has blessed me greatly, and I, I know why he's done that, because I, I'm i going to get to give it back and pay it forward, and I think that's what the world is all about, you know? Yeah. yeah. Love one another. Uh, Chris, anything else you wanted to ask? 
Uh, no, but uh, I'll be seeing you uh, in Vegas. I'm going to the creation uh, convention. Uh, I'll be there oh, representing cool. my site. It'd be cool to to meet you and talk to you. And I'm, I just want to say that uh, I know I've heard lots of interviews uh, with you with different sci-fi podcasts, different Trek podcasts. But it's just super cool that you're so gracious and you come and and talk to the fans and spend your your uh, valuable time with us. And I just really appreciate it. Well, right back to you. Your hearts are beautiful, and I appreciate you having me. You know, having me here. Yeah. And we uh, appreciate you taking time to sit down and chat with us tonight. And uh, by all means, uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, we'll watch movie uh, Yesterday Was a Lie. And maybe if you're interested, we can bring you on for maybe a short review and a, a short dialogue about the movie. If you're awesome. interested. Yeah, so. just let me know and we'd be okay. happy to come back. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. Hey, for- thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Okay. Hey, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Donner Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Chase Masterson. Uh, we had a wonderful time chatting with her. Uh, and I'm really sorry, Miles, that you got, uh, if you, you heard Miles wasn't in the end of the call because he got kicked out. Uh, beautiful, lovely I Skype. I didn't get to say goodbye to her. My heart is broken. Yeah, there are tears. There are tears there, Miles. If you only knew. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyways, before we go, we want to give you our sci-fi five and five. And Miles, you said you have five, right? I have uh, five moments. That, five moments. Uh, five things I really appreciate about Shore Leave this year. Okay, so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you give your five, and then if I have any that should be in there for me, I'll just add them into it. So why don't you go ahead and take us away on our sci-fi five and five, giving us the top five moments at Shore Leave 32. They're not in any particular order, but this is, this is how I'll, I'll run them down. Um, for me, uh, a, a thrilling moment was uh, my wife and I getting a, a picture with uh, Edward James Alamos and Katie Sackhoff, uh, um, a professionally done picture, then having them both autograph it. That was, that's a thrill. Uh, uh, also seeing old friends like Dayton Ward and Kevin uh, Dilmore and uh, from, you know, Authors of the Star Trek novels and uh, Mike Bednar uh, from Farragut, uh, also Ed, uh, who, who created his own R2 unit. Uh, and watching my wife and my mother-in-law have a good time there. Um, they, they had a blast. I'm glad they had a chance to go. And uh, um, we'll have to talk about more about that later. Um, there's some funny stuff about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, all the interviews we did, uh, we, we got you know we were we were able to interview all the guests that were there. And uh, we're, we're going to have some good interviews coming up. And uh, not, lastly, uh, just making some good contacts and friends um, uh, with John and his wife from Think Geek and uh, ran into that gentleman. Uh, he, had, he was doing interviews also. He's from Autograph Magazine. Uh, I forget his name at the moment, but uh, we'll have to get in touch with him sometime. Uh, I, I got to talk to him a little bit after the uh, convention was over. So that was, those are my five uh, moments of uh, that I appreciated that uh, short yeah, well, I don't think I have too much more to add to that. I, I loved, I, I loved taking time. One of the, I think I have two moments I'd like to add. Number one is just sitting down and spending, I bet we spent close to 40, 50 minutes with Edward James Alamos, just interviewing him. It was a very long interview, very in depth. And he's, you know, Chris, you were talking about how Chase is one of these people that just really gives in an interview and she really takes the time and, is unassuming. And Edward James Olomos is kind of the person that when you ask him a question, he doesn't just give you a pat answer. He really thinks about it and considers it and really, really gives you 
a really good thought out answer. Didn't you feel that way, Miles? Oh, absolutely. I think he, uh, um, he, he was just very gracious with his time with the fans. And, um, you know, I mean, he, he answered a, a guy asked a question about, um, uh, Miami Vice and he took, uh, 10, 15 minutes just talking about it. it so was close to half an hour, Miles. He talked, really? talked, talked about it. it was good. It was well worth it, but he took time oh, to answer was, that question. It was a good answer, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, another point of shortly that I would mention that kind of stuck out to me was, uh, sitting down with Ed, and I, I don't even know Ed's last name, but Ed and his droid, as I call it on our, our little video pieces, um, as he just talked about what goes into making an astromech droid and the different hurdles he had to overcome, the different considerations and, uh, uh, it's just, you know, you, you often don't get into the people that really, you know, make the mechanical side of this happen, but he, he had his R2 D2 unit there. Uh, he, he'll kill me for saying that. He had his astromech unit here, his R2 unit, um, there that he was, uh, just tinkering with and playing with and it's developed this year and just figuring out what makes it work. I thought it was a fascinating chance to sit down with him. And, uh, I would agree with you that, me and you getting a chance to sit down with John Fraze and his wife is absolutely phenomenal from Think Geek. And they are beautiful mm-hmm. individuals and just had a great time just chilling with them at the con. Yep. Yeah. So it, it was very, and obviously meeting all the people there and there's many other experiences there that were, uh, were good. But as I said on the way home, I'm, I'm always glad when the con's over because I feel so exhausted. <laughs> I think it's because we go there and we we run from this interview to the other. But one thing, if I was going there just to participate, it's another thing when you go there, you know, kind of having an agenda lined up. You have to meet this person. You have to hunt down Starbucks or whatever, you know. And how many days is it? It's three, right? Yes, three days. It's not that long of a con. Yeah, but you know, you're running nonstop. I mean, yeah. I've worked conventions before for. Um, a job that I had for several years. I was the creative director for a software company and I had to go and, and actually physically work the conventions. And man, it is exhausting. I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Cause you, you, you don't necessarily talk that much in real life when you're out and you're, you're having to talk to people a lot. You, you get physically tired from that. So yeah, and it's true. And, uh, and so, and you have to be in your, your own game and, I, it, it, you know, it really was good, but it's, I, for me, I found it, t- I don't know miles for you, but for me, I found it tiring. <laughs> oh, well, I was tired by the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, on Sunday. I, I, yeah, I bet it was, it was a good it, kind of it's tired. Exhausting. And you and I are there. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, you don't regret it at all, but it's just, it's, it's, it's draining though. It, it is. And you know, it's, it, it is a good time. It, the one thing I wish I would you know, stay to catch some years, they do, they do this mystery trekkie theater. Chris, yeah, uh, where you know it's to take a mystery science theater, but they do it with Star Trek episodes. Oh, that's and, cool! And it's uh, it's some of the notable authors uh, that write Star Trek, like Bob Greenberger and uh, Michael Jan Friedman, and and a bunch of these other people that sit there and comment on these episodes. And it's always the the thing that closes a con at five o'clock. Well, at five o'clock, I am just you know zonked, so I don't I don't hang around for it. But I really wish I would <laughs> sometime. Miles, you never, you never. St- no, I didn't stay for that. Um, I was going to wonder where you stuck around for this call, but no. <laughs> I was like, "Where's Miles?" No. <laughs> but, yeah, the snowstorm didn't come in to warn us you were gone, so we weren't sure. 
Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's wrap up the show. Thanks, guys, for coming on tonight. And uh, Chris, why don't we get started by telling people again, how can they contact you, find out more about you? We I know we gave you the promo, but just real quickly here, give us the website, your digits, and so on. Sure, yeah, subspacecoms.com or subspacecommunicate.com. I'm on uh, Twitter, slash subspacecoms, Facebook. Uh, I believe is also slash subspace comms. But yeah, thanks for having me guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's, it's super cool getting to know you guys. Uh, you inviting me on the show, especially getting to talk to someone like Chase. It's just cool being a part of this community. And, and actually I'm thinking next year that I might try and make the pilgrimage to shore leave so we could, Ooh. you know, ho- hook up then. That'd be pretty cool. And, uh, Miles, where can they find out more about you? Twitter. Also, I'm on TruckSpace, Son of War for TruckSpace. And you can, uh, visit us on our, uh, Facebook fan page. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, for me, you can find me at, uh, the Sci-Fi Diner. Uh, that's my Twitter handle or Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G on Twitter as well. Uh, Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Miles. Uh, for the Sci-Fi Diner. We, of course, have our website, Sci-Fi Diner Podca- Podcast, if I can speak here, dot com. You can always call into the show, one 888 Don't know if I had too many eights in there, but it's a toll-free number for you to call in and leave your comments about what we're talking about, our, your thoughts, the shows you're watching, everything else, and uh, absolutely awesome, awesome stuff. I believe that's about it. Miles, why don't you take us out of the show? Well, my friends, till then, good night and good luck. Slow train.